0: Alright guys, before we get started, I want to talk to you about a dope new product we have. It is our grass-fed whey isolate protein. It is hands down the best protein ever made. It comes from healthy and happy New Zealand cows that roam on gorgeous green grass-fed pastures. There's no added sugar, which means it's great for a low-carb diet, which I follow pretty much year-round. Because even in the summertime when I'm eating carbohydrates, I don't want to get carbohydrates in fucking powdered form. I want them from sweet potatoes starches, berries, real food. That doesn't mean I don't mind getting a little extra protein from powder form, especially when it comes from high quality cows. And this has got it all. It's got a lot more than most protein powders. We include digestive enzymes that help lower inflammation and help you absorb and assimilate the most amount that you can possibly take in from this protein. We've also added in probiotics like lactobacillus acidophilus, which is incredibly important for the gut microbiome and our immune systems. Check this product out. You're sure to like it. We've got delicious flavors like vanilla and Mexican chocolate. I know you'll enjoy it. Give it a look. We isolate protein from grass-fed cows. And I'd also like to talk to you about joint oil. This is hands down the best tasting supplement we've ever made. It's incredible for joint mobility and health. It's got a boatload of fish oil, curcumin from turmeric, borage oil, which also helps with inflammation, and a product called AvoVita, which is a highly bioavailable form of avocado oil. So when we dive into this product, we've got a high amount of EPA and DHA, which are very usable forms of fish oil. Your body does not have to take it and recreate it into something usable, which is the issue with chia seeds and flax. Not so with this product, but it doesn't taste fishy. The flavor is Tangerine Dream, and if you remember growing up, the absolute incredible flavor of an orange push pop, That's what this thing reminds me of. So the recommended daily is two teaspoons, but I don't mind just turning this thing upside down and squirting in a big dose into my mouth. I like to load up on fish oil and turmeric. And we use a very highly bioavailable form of turmeric curcuminoids, which is a turmeric extract. And it's the most usable part, the most anti-inflammatory part of the plant. So we have close to 100 milligrams of that per serving. That means you're going to be getting Many different things working on separate pathways to lower inflammation and pain and help you move right throughout the day through hard workouts and grind. Keep the grind going, keep the pain low, and get back to the gym the next day. On it, Joint Oil, check it out. And be sure to punch in onnit.com slash podcast at checkout. Welcome to the on It Podcast. We are joined by a very special guest, a man that I am a huge fanboy of, Mr. Andy Stumpf. Retired Navy SEAL, wingsuit fucking jumper. This dude has jumped out of airplanes so high he required an oxygen mask to fucking breathe at the altitude he was at. He's base jumped in squirrel suits. He's filmed shit for fucking Red Bull. He is, he's the fucking man. He's an absolute savage in every way, shape, and form. He has a wealth of knowledge in many things. Uh, He has an incredible podcast, Cleared Hot, which I've become a huge fan of. But let me backtrack first. I heard him first on the Joe Rogan Experience with my buddy Tate Fletcher, and they absolutely crushed it. Uh, He was on the Joe Rogan Experience again uh, about a month ago or two and crushed it himself solo. I mean, this guy could talk uh, for hours, and he does, uh, on his own podcast. He's got some great solo casts, and I could have spoken to him for hours. I'll, I'll for sure have him back on. Very interesting guy and has a wealth of knowledge in many areas. I think you'll be able to gravitate and really resonate with quite a bit of what he's saying. Um, accountability. Keep that in mind. That's a fucking massive piece. C- 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 <laughs> accountability. All right. Enjoy. Andy Stump in the house. Finally. Blowing up, yeah, finally. I don't know I was, if I'm going to blow anything up. I've been, I've been trying to get you, uh, since I was running my own show, out in Vegas, and then you fucking up and left to Montana. I wish I had done it years ago. Yeah, is it oh. absolutely incredible? Well, when I arrived here yesterday, I could have stayed home for
1: this weather, I will say that. It was snowing last night, I'm in Texas, I'm looking, I'm thinking I could take t-shirts. I brought t-shirts, and there was about three inches of snow on the ground, so yeah, you guys are getting a little bit of the weather, I'll go home too. Going to France for a week where it's going to be freezing rain. That's going to be fun. And then back home where it's going to be snowing for the next four months. And uh, yeah, it's the good life.
0: Yeah, the good life. It is the good life. Are you doing any uh, ranching? You got any animals? Uh, are you just hunting up there? My wife is uh, an equestrian
1: lover for since she's probably in her maybe single digit age. So she had two horses in California and before people start thinking that we're like, exceedingly wealthy, and I'm driving around in a Bugatti, <laughs> each of these horses costs is $500, not $50,000 a piece. You were, she wasn't riding a Clydesdale to work? No, no but then there's also the upfront cost of, a, cost of a horse. It was 500 bucks each, and then they eat more than that per month, and then you have to stable them. So she kind of lured me in with, oh, this is how much they are, and then the monthly came a little bit later on. So she is more into the animal scene up there. I don't follow the equestrian scene uh, very much, but apparently it's huge in where we live in Montana in the Flathead Valley. Uh for me, the animals that I am more interested in have uh antlers on their head and big racks and I like to sneak around with sharp pointy uh things and launch them at them at a very high rate of speed. However, no more of that for another 10 months. How long are the uh are the seasons up there? Are Both they pretty season, standard or are they or are they They're standard. Uh, you know you know before anybody thinks that know what i'm talking about i've been bow hunting for exactly one year and by that i started in august so i'm in my first year of bow hunting i'm you're a seasoned veteran (laughs) seasoned seasoned veteran of research on the internet it opened the first week of september and the season closed the weekend uh right after thanksgiving day okay and that's about it and from what i understand that's pretty standard but i guess states the wildlife division in each state, to my understanding, determines the number of animals that are available and also the window that you can hunt them in for Montana. I think we're pretty much game over for the animals I'm interested in until next September. Okay. Which sucks. But yeah, you got, what, a month? Two. Two Actually. Months? Yeah, yeah. That's You great. get a month of just bow hunting, which is what I, okay. what I love doing. So you have, yeah, you get about 30 days out there. You don't have to wear an orange vest because it's just bow hunters, and it was... I mean i think it's as close as you can get to heaven on earth i had so much fun i went so elk hunting in
0: uh northeastern oregon like not long ago a couple weeks ago did you get one week i didn't see an elk until the last day thanksgiving day i saw the ass <laughs> of one elk and it was fucking <laughs> gone in an instant and i was so heartbroken it's like if i should they have miss, good instincts they're very smart and yeah. the fucking deer are standing around like for selfies like they don't give a shit they're like yeah we're good this year, like I said, I just started. You want to talk
1: about a learning experience? I had never seen an elk in person. I had never been anywhere near an elk. I didn't know that they they behave in certain ways only during certain time periods. I didn't know that they were herd animals except for in the rut where they're individual. It was crazy. I was just again, I'm not smart enough to remember things, so I write stuff down. I have like an entire book full of notes like, okay, This is what I saw, this is the behavior, just so I can read that again next year after I've forgotten everything that I learned this year and try Uh to get back up to speed 5%. It's been great, man. But at the same time, I loved California. And I don't even know how we got on Montana because we were talking about how we eventually, I think we linked up over Twitter. Because I heard you on Joe's podcast, and then I think I hit you up asking you something about your blood measuring, and then back and forth from there. It was like a keto measuring kit or something like that Mm -hmm. I was asking. Because that podcast you did with him, to me was fascinating. I don't know anything about the UFC, but you get on there and you're crazy articulate talking about stuff. I was like, hmm. I'm the only
0: one. Everyone else is a moron. Yeah, I've heard that.
1: That's actually <laughs> no. what I would assume most people think. It is, it is the think.
0: opposite, dude. Every, I I've, I'd be blown away by how many. I've been blown away by how many people are like, you know, I thought you were going to be half retarded. And you're I like, I oh, think you could fight at your that. level and be like that. Yeah, no, there's too much that goes into it. You, you know, could the- fight at a bar and be half retarded. I
1: don't think you could get to a place like the UFC and not. Because you guys, again, from the outside, it looks to me like you're playing chess. You know, It think, is. Yeah. Thinking a few moves ahead. Everybody I've ever found that gets to a high level has, you just, I'm sure there's a white elephant or a black elephant, whatever the term is, but I'm sure there's a very stupid, successful person. I haven't encountered them yet. They always have this high level of intelligence and the ability to i would say forward to think as opposed to just to react to what's coming at
0: their face that's what yeah. i see time and time again there's too much to learn otherwise you know it's yeah there's a lot there but yeah yeah we started we started dating on twitter yep and um classic i had heard 2016 you with- romance <laughs> i mean that's right. where it all starts on the <laughs> internet exactly that's <laughs> right and uh i heard you and uh, tate fletcher on rogan's and that was fucking phenomenal and i fucking love tate it was oh so great because he's like you know Tate's just dropping like everything Eddie Bravo would. You know, he's talking about 9-11. He's talking about the...
1: Inside, (laughs) I try to hold a neutral facial reaction when people talk about those things. But inside, there's conversations that I'm having. And I didn't... I mean, I love Tate to death. I met him probably a month before that, randomly, on a very small CrossFit-centric podcast. And I didn't know he was going to be on it. And we just happened to be... uh, Wellborn was with me, the guy I'm here to speak with. We were sitting at a picnic table, and there was this this dude with the biggest beard that I've ever seen in my life peeling an orange. And he introduced himself. He's like, hey, I'm Tate. Hey, I'm Andy. And he just starts talking about Periscope, the Twitter app. And I'm like, and he's filming himself peeling an orange. I'm literally, I'm just like, what in the hell is
0: going on here? He's like, I got a thousand people watching me peel this orange right now. And I'm like,
1: what are you doing? What is Periscope? (laughs) So then I download it, and then I'm literally sitting across the table through Periscope watching him peel an orange. The guy right across from me, I'm like, I get it. Okay. So we go ahead and do the podcast. He and I hit it off. He introduced me to Callan and Schaub, so I did The Fighter and the Kid. And then the next thing I know, I'm sitting across from Joe. To this point, I had still never listened to a podcast. I had no, no idea what we were doing. I thought we were just sitting down having conversations. And uh, I, I, I said this when I was with Joe, like, I'm, I'm late to the game, to everything. I was a little bit busy and distracted. Social media, super late to the game. Podcasting, late to the game. You just got your first email last week. I mean, I've been doing email for a while. You would actually be surprised. If you wanted to shut down the modern-day military, Microsoft Office is the way to do it, not actually with a nuclear strike. If you pull the plug on email and, like, <laughs> door when the power goes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so podcasts, I, I didn't realize that if you want to learn about something, you can literally go to a free rest resource and listen to world-class people talking about it. And since I found that, it drives my wife nuts. She's like, will you t- take, take your headset out? I don't want to take my headset out. Take it out. I'm learning. Leave me alone. There's more
0: information to break down. I, I,
1: like I said, I'm like, okay, I'm probably 10 years behind the game on this. I got some time I need to kill. So I, if I'm not doing something that requires like active thought, I'm just trying to absorb as much information from avenues that I never would have had exposure to. It's my favorite part about doing podcast stuff or just being involved in that world it's, it's
0: never-ending. It go as far as you want. Road trips and flights are oh, probably God. my absolute favorite time to listen to a book on Audible and grind through a bunch of podcasts. And it goes podcasts.
1: so fast. Yeah. So fast.
0: Yeah, I agree. But of course, I waited until like
1: the last minute to discover that, so... Well, what you're, else you're, you're you
0: know? not too late to the game. Everybody's jumping on. So did Rogan tell you uh, to, to start a podcast?
1: He suggested that it wouldn't be a bad idea, and I am a believer that I've never had a unique idea in my entire life. So what I do is I listen to smart people, and... I mean, I've been told his podcast is successful. I don't know. I mean, I think he's probably copying what I'm doing, even though he's on episode like 1,050 and I'm on episode 22. (laughs) Well, I think he does like
0: three a day, every day of the year. The dude is a machine. You got got 1,000 in a year. Yeah,
1: the dude is a machine. But yes, uh, you know, I met him. I talked with him. There's obviously, you know, before the microphones go live and then after. Crazy, nice guy. Generous with his time. Generous with his knowledge. Got to know him a little bit. Very, I would say I'm very fortunate to have become friends with him. And, you know, when a guy like that says, hey, this might be a good idea, and who comes from that world, maybe you should think about doing it. Yeah. You know? So I started doing it, and yeah, I have no idea where it's going. I have no idea
0: what it's going to be, but it's fun. It is fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front of me, but I've loved Cleared Hot right out the gate. Wealth and knowledge in there. Obviously, uh, you've had great well, guests. We'll use fun. wealth
1: and knowledge very loosely.
0: Because <laughs> 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 I don't know if there
1: is, yeah, it, I, I did it because I want to understand more about me, mm-hmm. and I want to talk with people like you who have a totally divergent background about, to me, it's all about what you do in what I call the valley. I see, especially with, or especially, I had people hit me up on the internet because I say especially wrong, with the X in it. Especially. Expe, it's especially is the way you're supposed to say it. Thank especial. you. Fuck you internet people who constantly muy, send me emails about that. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Actually, thank you. I didn't know I was saying it incorrectly. But I see people most often in two different types of peaks. One is they're getting ready to set a goal and they're very vocal about it. The second peak I see people on, especially with social media, because you can be so selective, is the achievement of a goal. I'm not interested in either of those things, really. Actually, I'm more interested probably in the goal setting than the achievement of the goal. But what I really like is the valley. What happens in between those two places? Because in my opinion, that's where you find out who you are, because that's where the struggle and the grind and the adversity, if you only watched fighters getting into the cage, like that's all you knew about the UFC, was you turn it on for the fight. How much do you really know about the UFC? Nothing. Yeah. Or your journey as a fighter and what it takes, right, to actually be a fighter. That to me is so much more interesting than, hey, look at me, I'm so successful, here's my car. It's like, get, get out of
0: here. Yeah, I'm 4% body fat, you're yeah. around.
1: I'm so <laughs> ripped, I just dieted for this picture for 180 days and I'm unhealthy and oh, look at me and it's like, no. Let's talk about those 180 days. That to me is what is interesting, and I mean I think that's the power of social media. Like you and I randomly connect, and here we are finally sitting together. Probably a year and a half, I think, after the first yeah. time we ever bounced back and forth. There you go.
0: It's been a minute. I thought it's it was going to be even longer with the, with the move to Montana and, and then oh, just coming out here, but flown you up there. You'd have never left. That's the problem. Yeah. You'd be on a well, podcast. I, honestly, I don't. <laughs> it was the would've podcast had, that never. Be ended. On a podcast would have had to come yeah. up there. Like yeah. Hey, well, maybe you need a co-host down the road or something like that. And I could just fucking sit in there and be a ranch hand. I'm game. I'm open, man. I I have no
1: idea where it's going. Uh, And you know what? I I love sitting down with people, but I also love the questions that people ask. A lot of them are military based because a lot of people have questions about the military. You know, currently 0.05% of people are actually serving in the military. So I get the questions. I try actually not to answer most of the military ones because I would love to keep I would love to eventually be a guy where people look me up and they're like, oh, he was in the military? You know, like, I'm very proud of that time, but I would rather do something else with that time and be known for that than just a guy, oh, he's one of those military guys? I don't want to be that.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of the same way on fighting. Like, if somebody wants to ask me questions on fighting, like, sure, I'm happy to talk about that. It's not an issue at all. But that's like a whole, that chapter's long over. It's what I did. It's not who I
1: am, is Mm not what I try to describe. but what I find that people will pay attention to and when they ask questions, I try to relate it back to something that I have personally experienced or something that I have personally seen with my own two eyes. And then again, on top of that, what I think is the most important is just being honest. Like, I'll be the first to admit my failures and my struggles and where I have messed stuff up. And I think if you don't have that or you're not willing to do that,
0: I just, I don't have time for it. So... Well, that's like all these, you know, the spiritual gurus who've got it all figured out and you never hear how fucked up life was for them or that they still struggle all the time. And I think a lot of people write me and Aubrey and thank us, you know, for talking on Facebook live and talking about the shit, you know, the valley, talking about where we're, this is fucking going wrong week in and week out. There is no, hey, I fucking finished. Yeah. Right. I'm so woke. I don't have to work anymore. Like, no, dude, there's fucking always struggle. I want to be woke. (laughs) <laughs> i actually don't know what that means i'm gonna but help, I, I I'm love gonna help you level up yeah. i'll teach you all about <laughs> that after go. this podcast
1: but i'm telling you the valley is where i find out who i am as a man that is i if your life is super comfortable and you have everything provided to you and you think that everything should be provided to you i don't think you're anywhere near the limit of the potential you have as far as even being a contributing member of society and i'm not saying people need to go run out into the woods and get lost and like cover themselves in face paint even though If you're going to do that, please tag me in the picture so I can see it. I would love to see that journey. It worked in Predator. It did. But just, I mean, my theory is go and find difficult things to do. and find Set a goal, use your starting point, and then dig in and just revel in that journey to get you there. A day at a time, a foot at a time, an inch at a time. That's, that's to me, so much more valuable as a person
0: and I think important as a lesson for others. 100%. Well, that's a great segue into kids because you're talking about... An idea that a lot of millennials, for, for, for better and for worse, are, are labeled as, you know, wanting, deserving, you know, thinking they should have everything handed to them. And I'm not saying that's the case. I got plenty of millennials that bust their ass for friends. What is the but age range for a millennial? What I is think it's it? up to 30 now. So okay. it's like, so basically, born what of people year? in their 20s. Okay. Born um, in, in like the
1: say. 90s then?
0: Yeah. Okay. Because you're, you're about the same age as me. What, how old are you? 54 oh wow i was way off you're 40 (laughs) i'm 35 we're right we're generation x
1: emotionally i'm about seven i believe but my driver's license says 40 as of october you're allowed to drive as (laughs) a seven year old
0: but yeah Yeah. this idea that that and this goes into kids because how should we raise our kids and this is something that i've loved listening to cleared hot is the fact that we live in a fucking sugar-coated bubble boy protect everyone participation award yeah don't say this don't say that and the pc world that we're moving towards is handicapping children. And it's not just millennials, it's fucking even the generation before them that's really looking to get fucked because there's there is no challenge. We're taking this we're taking competition away from competition. Yeah. We're not allowing children to fail and to learn from their failures and fucking mistakes. Like I talk about this a lot. Like a lot of times you look back on a mistake or a shitty spot in your life and you're like I would not have leveled up or grown from that had I not experienced that that the best thing that happens yeah that was an amazing piece that allowed me to grow and change as a person uh
1: this is and this is where I think I start viewing the world differently from most and not from all and I don't make a a character judgment or a value judgment on it but it's tough for me to sit back and you know my son is going to go into I hope he'll make the choice to go to college. I'm not going to force him. My theory is that I know I want to provide for him the opportunity and enable him and empower him to make those choices. But if he goes to college, you know I look at what's happening in what people consider to be higher education, and again, no character or value judgment on it. Whether or not you swing left or right, I don't care what people's political beliefs are. You know it. You know be whatever it is that you want to be. But I don't know if I want him to go into that environment because of the things you described. That's, you know, we need to we need to create safe spaces from ideas. Whereas my theory is I don't look for safe spaces. I make them safe when I walk through the door. And I teach my kids to do exactly the same thing. And your words don't hurt me. They might be hurtful and they might hurt my feelings, but I'm not going to break my face because you said something to me that I don't like. Like, you know, your eyebrows are terrible. Like, oh like I'm going to I'm going to be okay. So In my opinion, I'm used to working in an environment where you're always looking for angles. Angles to, you could call it an opponent, you could call it an enemy. I'm looking for an angle to maneuver on you. And what I see in that environment created where competition, you know, we can't keep score because that's going to make people feel bad. We can't say these things. It's an artificial environment that the people that I used to square off with and the countries that support those individuals will look at that and go, ooh, that's a great angle. And they'll leverage against that. We think we're doing the right thing, but it's artificial. Nothing in the real world supports fairness, supports equality, supports that anybody else in business, especially when you start talking global business, they don't care how special you think you are. They don't care about your feelings. You need to be able to get out there and get your nose bloodied and get back up again. And when you remove that learning process of, to me, I didn't go to college. Uh, probably couldn't have got into college. Strong 2.5 GPA in high school. Powerful. Yeah, you gonna need both, 2.5. brother. 2.5. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Santa Cruz. I was doing other things at the time.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know Santa Cruz well. Yes,
1: yes. It's a very interesting environment. But, I mean, it's just, I see, I see what's being created If I hadn't have left Santa Cruz, it's a very insular environment, I would have had a different perspective of the world. And the perspective of the world, as much as I believed it to be true, it doesn't make it valid outside of the, the boundaries and borders. And I just see us setting up this long term. If you look a few moves into the future, how far do we want to go with this? The only way the environment works is if we close off our borders, not only physically, but, you know, information-wise as well, too, because our little ecosystem that we're creating is not gonna survive in an environment where people will look at what we're doing and say, oh, that's great. I'm gonna crush you. I'm gonna take what you think is your strength, flip it on its head, and it's now gonna be the biggest weakness of the country that you have. So I cheat my children the exact opposite, and they it bothers me. Like They use words like triggered at my son's school, who's 14, and, they'll, and so he'll say that to me in the car, and I'm like, and I'll stop the car, and I'll pull over and be like, listen, don't use that word. You can have an emotional reaction to something, and that's fine, but if you have an emotional reaction to something that somebody said, don't run away from that. Go right towards it. Figure out what it is that the problem is. I'm always here for you. Let's talk about what you believe. And at the end of the day, if you don't agree with what the person said, good. That's fine. You know, because we live in a place where you can have a disagreement and it's going to be totally fine. And yeah, political correctness and safe spaces in my personal opinion, the biggest threat to this country.
0: Yeah, and look no further if you're if you're kind of wondering where we're going with this. I'm sure a lot of you obviously are fans of the Rogan experience Jordan B Peterson has really been love that he's Canadian the fucking man. son of a bitch he's right on the front lines yes. he's he's balls deep in the trenches of it you know he, teaching at university level oh, he has no. some excellent videos on youtube uh, there's one where it's, uh, it's i think it's 17 minutes long and it's jordan jordan B Peterson was right yep. and that's the title of it 17 minutes long and um, this woman who's also a professor i think at the same maybe not the same school, at another school in Ontario. She was reprimanded from the top down, and she brought in a fucking recorder into, into her meeting to get scolded. Might have been some and, and legalities re- there. Records but. these guys, <laughs> yeah. but it's fucking amazing, right? And so she records these guys telling her that, she, she, I think she was teaching a, a psychology class or something like that, and she, she got in trouble for playing a Jordan Peterson video. Just really? for playing his video. And she said, I wasn't taking sides. I was showing this is one way people think of these things and this is the other way. She wanted to show the arguments. And they were saying, and this is exactly what Jordan says, they are limiting the ability to even have that conversation. They don't want that argument. And, it's, and she's like, well, what are we preparing these kids for? When they leave the classroom, do you think people aren't going to fucking say these things? Shouldn't, it be, shouldn't what happens in the classroom be an insurgency on your mind?
1: It should be full on, hey, this is something I totally don't agree with. And here's something I totally agree with. Now let's battle it out with no value judgment of right or wrong. Let's just think about, I mean, that's the conversations I try to have with my kids. Like, don't buy into that. Like, no, words don't hurt you. Like, getting hit in the face hurts. Like, there's a difference between somebody offending you and somebody hurting you physically. Like, And understand the difference between the two. And oh, by the way, if you see somebody physically getting hurt, step in and do something about it if they're not willing to. like These are the lessons I try to constantly reinforce to my kids. And it scares me thinking that in three years, my son will be, actually four years, he'll be exiting high school and trying to figure out what he wants to do next. And I don't want to send him into an environment where you can't think and talk and have conversations because you're labeled, they slap some label on you that people some people put importance to and to me they slap those labels i would laugh and be like that's awesome that's a funny word that you're using it has no meaning to me whatsoever so get fucked you know like <laughs> but I, I worry i'd almost rather hope that he goes to a trade school and learns to do something with his hands and to the think boat. and manipulate stuff with his hands than go to a place where a small segment of people controls all of the thought i'd literally rather you know what just go to college on youtube man what, what i mean go and just promise me that you'll get 50-50 of stuff you don't agree with, 50% of stuff you will, and battle it out. You'll be such a better person, in my opinion, than a person who sits there and is like, yes, tell me more of what I already believe. Restrict what I'm allowed to think. It's just such a narrow, myopic view. And I'm telling you, based off of the world that I came from, we would try to push our enemy a percentage point at a time and get them to be comfortable that one inch backwards Mm. and one inch backwards. Well, eventually, you're a mile down the road. And nobody realizes it until you're standing at the front door like, hey, guess what? I won. And that's the danger I see it, that our country is going towards.
0: Yeah, look no further than Canada. They already can't use uh, he, she, male male, and female pronouns. They're, they're creating new language. I love it when include, people try like, to tell me the, the words 1%. I'm allowed to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you touched on another good thing. Uh, taking offense. And I think it was, uh, was it Eleanor Roosevelt that talked about that? Like, was somebody... Forget the fucking quote, so I shouldn't even have brought her name up. But um, there's something along the lines of when someone says something to you, it's your choice. 100%. Basically. Like, yeah. And if you take offense, that's not on the other person. That's on you, the fact that you took offense. I used to, I used to get pissed and riled up when MMA trolls were like, Kingsbury, you fucking suck. You can get your ass I kicked. I will fight like, you. Where are you? It's like, <laughs> fuck you. You wouldn't say that to my face, bitch. You know. And then now it's just comical. It's like, oh, yeah. I see. You've never been in a fight before, and you want to be included in the conversation. And whatever the case may be with and that person. And they just person, want you to respond. They're yeah. trying to goad you into responding. Yeah. But the, but if I'm to take offense to that, that's on me. Yeah. That's on me for being just that easy. I can't be that easy. I got to be stronger than that, right? So, so
1: again, I go, I'll go back to the things that I say to my kids. Uh, I have two boys and a little girl. They get along less than 1% of the time they tell on each other more than 99% of the time. It's unbelievable. And I'll sit back and I hear them and they're needling each other and I know what they're trying to do. And so one of them will come running to me. Daddy, this person bad I just did it. I'm like, all right, get everybody over here. Let's sit down and we'll talk about it. I'm like, okay, hey, what'd you do? Well, I did this because she did. I'm like, okay, stop. I'll have a conversation with her about what she did, but anything that you do in response to what somebody else does, we're gonna have a conversation about that because you always have a choice. You have a choice when it comes to arguing with people. You have a choice when it comes to getting upset. You may not have a choice about what they say, whether or not that upsets you, but you have a choice with what you do with that anger. You can lash out with that anger, or you can internalize it and figure out why it bothers you and then move on. But let's keep it constantly going back to the fact that whatever you do, that's your choice. And don't look at somebody and say, hey, they made me do it, because that's not flying in the stump house. You made a choice to do what you did, and we'll go and address what the other person did later on. But it has to stop there. Because it's the classic, why'd you hit your sister? Because she said this. I'm like, cool, well, I'll go talk to her about that, but why'd you hit her? You know, like, let's go back to that. Because, I'm like, nope, stop, there is no because. There is no because she, like, no, let's talk about you. And, I mean, I think it makes a difference. You have to have that accountability. It's so easy to say, well, I had to, I mean, I, I have, in every moment of my life, even in the ones that were incredibly time-compressed, there's always time to make a choice. Always. And you've had to think on the, on the fly quite a, quite a bit. I've had a few moments in my life where I didn't have a lot of time. But, I mean, the choice is always there. And, you know, in the environment that I came from, if you make a choice in an environment, regardless of how time-compressed it is, if you make the wrong choice, you stand accountable for your actions. And I've been there... In military circles you know where investigations are going on and if somebody stands up and says well I did this because somebody told me to or I did this because of somebody doing this it's like no you stand accountable for your actions so and my parents were like that for me and it was reinforced when I went into the military and I think it's I just think that level of accountability and not looking externally for the motivation to the actions that you take like that's the kids that I want to raise. Like and I think if we could change people in this country to think that way, we would be a far far better nation.
0: 100%. And and you touched on something there too that you can be extrapolated into the positive is is not waiting for the external motivator. Yeah. Right? because like, well, what do you do
1: when it's not there? It's yeah. this you looking in the mirror. Like don't look for external motivation. You need to you know, it comes to like when you talk about uh I talk about leadership uh often in front of organizations and it's funny, every, every organization wants to say, well, we do this, so we do this type of leadership. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, tell me more. And then I'll go work at another company, and they we do this type of leadership. I'm like, uh-huh, yes, tell me more, because there's only two types. There's good and there's bad. Everything else in between is total bullshit, and it's an excuse. It's either effective or it's not effective. So inside of that, I think there's only really two types of way, ways to lead. One of them is an external, micromanaging which is the same thing of having to constantly look for other people to motivate you. You need that person over your shoulder to tell you what to do, how to do it, how fast. And then when your internet connection goes out and you can't find the Instagram meme, face, or, you know, Instagram meme Facebook page, that's an interesting pairing of words. When you can't find <laughs> that source of information, you don't have any motivation because just like a micromanaging leader, when they're over your shoulder barking at you, you'll do the minimum amount of effort to get them to go away. When they leave, you're doing God knows what. Probably not what your job is though. Versus the other side of the coin, you know, so that's pushing people. You can push Mm -hmm. your people or you can pull them. And that's inspiration. And I have people that I've worked for that I haven't seen in probably close to a decade that I still think about when things get difficult because I am still trying to live up to the example that they set. They had such an impact on me that absent them physically being there, I'll still do everything I can not to let that person down. It has made me a better person. And that's what saves you when you're in the valley and you don't have cell service and you can't find the external, you know, it has to come from inside. And I see most people, they want to consume that motivation instead of derive it from themselves.
0: Yeah. I'm blown away by how many people on the Facebook lives, you know, they'll ask me what keeps you going when your motivation is down or what does this, what does that. And And guess guess what? Everybody has those times. Everybody. And I don't deny the fact that I'm not, that I don't struggle with the inner bitch as Rogan calls it. And Kevin Ross said the same thing, but- at the same point, that's not my kick in the ass to go look for it online. That's not my yep. kick in the ass to say, oh, you know what? I really need John Wolfe or one of the great trainers here at it to put me through a workout. Yep. Like, no, that's that's just the that's the knocking on the door for me to find it inside to push myself through something. I and I feel like people have been taught or conditioned,
1: or I don't know the word. I feel like somewhere that mechanism in a lot of people and that maybe that's the concern that people have with millennials i don't know uh that they can't they can't flip that switch and switch back and forth between a balance of external and internal motivation and discipline and i don't know what that comes from but i would say that if you if you most people's arguments or concerns with millennials i could probably derive that and boil that down to you know the internal versus external argument and i don't know
0: i don't know where that was lost well i think it's in school and I, this is a conversation i had with ben greenfield uh yeah. about because i figured you know when i went up to interview him in spokane that it was going to be like captain fantastic you know 10 kids all off the reservation everyone's homeschooled he was that's homes- too many kids people, he was by kid the way. he only has two twins <laughs> he stopped there intelligently he's like all right we got twins we're good never have 10 kids but uh you know, that was, he because dude, dude finished high school, K through 12, homeschooled, finished at like 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. Highly intelligent, graduated college early as well. And he saw the, the benefit of that as well as the downsides, right? And he's basically, in school, you're taught what to think, not how to think. And I don't know if you've seen Captain Fantastic, but it illustrates beautifully what's lost in our current education system. His job, Ben mm-hmm. Greenfield's, is when the kids are home from school, he's fucking 100 percent dad he's yeah. done with all his work he's not on his cell phone he's not emailing people and it's full-time being dad and making sure they understand the things that are not being taught in school like how to fucking find and forage food in the wild yeah how to fucking shoot a bow how to do all the things but playing a team how to do these things how to that, think critically yeah. in an environment with no
1: boundaries 100 percent. yeah i agree man it's uh you know, so we, in California, I actually think all schools in the U.S. are doing the common core curriculum, and like my kids will come home, and I can't even help them anymore with their, math is usually the one that they need help with. I can't explain the, the algorithms that they're using or the way that they're doing math, so I feel, I feel almost helpless when it comes to that, so I try to supplement that with, all right, here's how you read a map, you know, here's how you start a fire. The only—I mean, I—I I, believe me. I mean, I think the most important classes I ever took, looking back on my life, were probably the only two I use every single day, or three would be math, English, and typing. Those are the three most important classes that I ever took. But I, I went to a lot of other classes, which I think rounded me out as an individual. I'm glad I have that basis of knowledge. But you can also find that in other places besides school. But school again is a contrived environment. Class starts at eight. It ends at eight forty-five. This is the subject for this class. I don't see life being that way. Mm-hmm. life doesn't have well i guess it has start and stop they're generally hard start and stop as well <laughs> once you reach the uh, boundaries of either i think it's pretty much go until a stop but there's no there's no barriers you can drift as far as you want to
0: and i and i just i wish more people would drift yeah you got to find some shit out for yourself one of the things that i liked in that movie was he, he sent his kid off to travel the world and joey diaz actually spoke about that yeah he's like all these fucking kids trying to go to college He's like, get a fucking job for a year. Save your money. You know, figure out what a dollar means. Understand that. Understand what it means to work. And then travel. Spend that money. See the world. See other cultures. See what it, see what's going on outside the box. And well, then and figure I out what you want to do.
1: That would shrink the artificial bubble. And it would get people to push back against safe spaces and political correctness. That I read a stat not too long ago, and I'm sure I'm going to chop it. But I think it was 20% of people in the U.S. will get their passport. 5% of them will use it. Damn. Which is crazy because most people in the US, and again, no character or value judgment associated with this, think we are the center of the universe. And if you haven't gone out and seen how other people live their day to day and get an, uh, you know, I went in 2013 to Kenya to build some schools. And there was a woman who walked to the hospital. For miles away, gave birth, and that afternoon put the baby in a wheelbarrow and walked home. That is different than the birthing experience in the United States. Slightly. Slightly. (laughs) The rest of the women, you know, some of them came over, not the rest, but some other women came over to help, but they were spending the vast majority of their day trying to find potable water. And the water that they were considering potable, I would not say was potable. Uh, You look at the environments that those people live in. I've been, uh, you know, to places in Africa. Obviously, the Middle East, I spent a large portion of my adult life. And it you see these things that people, the baseline of their life, like this is their best day, it changes your perspective on the worst day of where we live here. But you can't really articulate and describe that to someone. They have to go over and see it with their own eyes. And a lot of people will look at, uh, you know, they want to put more weight into things that veterans say, and I'm always cautious with that. You know, being a veteran doesn't, disp- uh, you know, uh, dispel, or not dispel is not the right way. it doesn't give you some crazy amount of knowledge. It does, it's not some banner that you should be able to wave. It just gives you generally more data points on other places in the world, which changes your perspective. Yeah, far different perspective. And your appreciation. And Because I notice in myself, a difference in perspective will be a difference in appreciation. If you want to really appreciate the small things, go to a place
0: where they're, they don't have small things, where their daily goal is to try to
1: you know, sustain life.
0: Yeah, fortunately, for I met my wife on a tour, for the, a goodwill tour for the troops to, uh, in Kuwait and Iraq. Yep. And I've done about 10 of them. And Where'd you go in Iraq? Uh, we've been there twice. The second time we stayed at Saddam's Palace, that was a fucking trip. We watched the UFC fight in Saddam's <laughs> Palace. I was like, what the fuck? They had pizza and cookies. Oh, man. Uh, we, my we, diet was off cleared, the rails.
1: Yeah, we cleared Saddam's Palace uh, in the first invasion, so we were there for that stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, that country was, it was a, a haves and have-nots gold-plated faucets versus no running water you know yeah
0: it was it was yeah they talked about how he filled the pond right because they can't yeah uh, Allah cannot see sin over water there you go so so we're gonna fucking put this whole (laughs) thing underwater uh and then he took he took water from like every surrounding town for a week or two nobody could fucking have water while he filled this man-made pond good guy strong it's a strong move
1: uh yeah he ruled with an iron fist for sure yeah don't go back to iraq no don't go to those places
0: but yeah talk you know going back to what (laughs) you're talking about like when we were flying over in afghanistan and looking at the opium farms and things like that and you see like every little hut is smaller than the garage my mom's detached garage that i was living in maybe it was like a quarter of the garage yeah so we had four of these huts going for us when i was complaining about making shit money in the ufc and living in my mom's garage
1: and most of those people are lucky to have
0: a light bulb yeah Well, look at india like everybody's complaining about fossil fuel consumption and shit like that and i think we can you know let the market shift that but in india they're still burning cow patties as their source of warmth like millions of people are burning shit each night to stay warm i bet that smells good Uh, yeah right like (laughs) next time you light a fucking Yankee Candle Company candle totally do they they make that that flavor
1: in Yankee Candle Company like I'll take the Indian Indian cow patty please for a pack pack. of five
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's on clearance
1: but you know again so I bet you when you went over there and like you said flying over Afghanistan and seeing the baseline standard you get home I mean I've been on flights all over the world and my best flights are the ones that come home I'm so thankful of the small things it just but you you got to see it with your own eyes. I don't blame people for not understanding. Uh, I, I guess I would say I blame them for not adventuring and figuring it out for their own. Again, with no, I'm um, like, hey, you're an asshole. I'm not making a character judgment on it or a value judgment. You just there's value and character to be found there. And
0: I wish that more people would go headlong into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter if you're in a small town or a big town. You're still in the confines of this place. Yeah. You know, and they're all different. The variety, it's fucking US is big. Yeah. There's a lot to explore here. Santa Cruz is
1: a good example. The best part about growing up in Santa Cruz is leaving. And if you don't, you will have a skewed perspective of the world. We moved to a town that has 20,000 people in Montana. My children will be shepherded to leave and go and look. And, but I mean, they've already been to Europe twice. Uh, I mean, they travel with me because I, I refuse to let them think that. The U.S. is the universe. You have, to, you have to see the
0: board for what it is. There's a lot of other pieces on the board. 100%. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. Okay. <laughs> you like that? Let's dive in. Let's go. To skydiving <laughs> and base jumping. Okay. Because you're, you're kind of known for that. And I would love to fucking be able to get out there with you at some point. I'll take you for a tandem. That's easy. We okay. just got
1: to go to San Diego. That's, that's two hours of your life. So we
0: spoon for the entire, entire flight down, Yes, right? I'll be the like big that. spoon. Okay. i be the little spoon. I like that uh do i have to cut weight i'm currently right at 220 just tell them you're 200 it's fine okay yeah because i could do a weight cut by law probably
1: need to let's just tell them you're 200 all right Uh, what's the worst that could happen you're gonna hit the ground before me so i'm not worried about it yeah you got it you got a little (laughs) cushion there maybe the extra 20 pounds gives you more cushion i took uh steve weatherford who was the punter for the giants for a tandem and he was a big boy surprisingly enough as most people in the nfl are I thought I could feel warmth as we were falling because we were re-entering the atmosphere at a speed like the space shuttle, like the front of it was red. <laughs> Holy cow, man, we were moving. So if I can, if I can handle that, we can definitely uh, we can go for a tandem. But yeah, I spent about half of my year jumping out of planes or off of objects currently. I, I'm going to put an egg timer on that, I think maybe two or three more years. I'll be comfortable. I'll always jump, uh, but I will approach how I jump differently when I'm not I don't want to say stuck but let's just say in the middle of the endorsement game Mm -hmm. or the endorsement world because right now it helps me pay the bills and so I'm going to pursue that and then hopefully in those couple years I can find an offshoot or an avenue where I can where I can accept less risk and do it more on my terms as opposed to like all right I need I got to get some social media stuff I owe some pictures because most endorsement deals in these days are social media stuff pictures and you know things for brands to use and if I was independently wealthy, I would still jump. I would just only jump in my American flag suit and when I wanted to, as opposed to having to like, you know, kinda of schedule stuff out so I'm I'm covered for my contractual obligations.
0: You talked a bit about with uh when you're on with Tate on Rogan's about the feeling you get when you do that. Yep. And I don't know if you've ever read The Rise of Superman. Uh you're talking about color. the flow state? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And so People have this, this idea that guys are adrenaline junkies and that's yep. what they're trying to do. And they I clearly despise that term. They clearly illustrate that it's really an addiction to flow state. And it's not even an addiction, much less as, as it is this thing brings me peace. This thing brings me stillness. And whether, the, whether you word it in the way that a yogi does or somebody yeah. from the Far East, they're trying to fucking tackle the same thing. You know, many paths lead up the mountain. And that's your path up the mountain, is that correct? It's
1: 100% correct. I do enjoy the sensation of flying. I mean, it, how could you not have a smile on your face at 120 to 150 miles an hour forward when you're flying face first? It's impossible not to smile. I've tried, it doesn't work. Every picture I'm just like, "Ah!" <laughs> so I do I do enjoy that, but um, and I think I talked about it with Tate and Joe on that podcast. It I at the end of those trips where you're just 2 to 3 weeks of Finding the line, putting your toes on the line, and just fighting all of your internal warning mechanisms, and everything strips away. I don't care if the mortgage check is going to bounce. I don't care if I had gotten into an argument with my spouse or somebody else. When your toes are on the line and you're getting ready to just crouch down and push off into the abyss, none of that is on your mind. It's the clearest, cleanest headspace that I have been able to find. And it has impact so far beyond. The jump itself. I'll come back from one of those trips, and I am my stereo equalizer is from a ten down to a two for months afterwards, and it's because of the flow state. It's not because of the adrenaline. Is there adrenaline associated with that? Sure, but I, that's not it's just that's not what I'm looking for. But people, it's hard to say. It's hard to say that because so many people associate adrenaline with because they see the videos on YouTube like oh you have to be an adrenaline junkie. It's like
0: ah. Well, a lot of those people are are the ones that are saying that that have never done shit. Either I also find that to be the case. um,
1: It's why I don't like talking about the risk very often. I, I do believe that there are people who want to romanticize the risk and then define themselves by that risk because they've never had something else. I've had enough risk. I've done the risk aspect, and I know there is risk in what I'm doing, but I also spent a lifetime learning how to analyze, assess, and mitigate risk. So I do a dangerous activity as safely as possible inside of the parameters that I set for myself, not because I'm trying to scare myself or be pumped up with adrenaline, even though those two things happen, those are kind of like, they're a corollary to what it is I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm after it, exactly like you said, I'm after what it does for my head and then what that does for my ability to be in a relationship with my wife or to be a more compassionate parent for my kids. It just turns the volume down. You're like, whoo. All right, and that will make no sense unless you've done it. And if people are thinking about do it, don't do it because it's dangerous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's one way to give advice <laughs> on it. Don't do it. I'll do it. You can watch me do it, people but have asked you don't me, do it.
1: People have asked me to teach them how to base jump, and I, and I never will. I, I know myself, and I am willing to, like I said, assess, mitigate, and put controls in place for that risk, but I don't wanna, I don't want to take somebody or pull somebody into that environment because I would feel responsible for them. I'm not going to stop somebody from doing it, but and I can point them in the direction of people who are far more qualified than myself to teach them. And I'll be more than happy to kind of check in from time to time to enjoy the journey, but I don't want to be the person responsible for
0: that. Yeah. Outsource. Yeah. It's not a bad look.
1: Well, and I don't have honestly in my own opinion, I don't have enough experience in comparison to those who are out there to teach. Like just go to this guy. He's a freaking burning bush. You know, don't yeah. don't waste your time with me. This dude's literally on
0: fire and what he says, just do it. Yeah, I kind of get, I get that, that similar feeling in a lot of, of what you gain from that with psychedelics and plant medicines. And a lot of people ask me, and it's like, hey, bud, this is something you go to a shaman for in the Amazon. This is yeah. something you go to you know, a guy with a wealth of knowledge far more than myself. And, uh, and yeah, I'm not responsible, right? However, I do respect your, your journey and down that path.
1: It was one of the reasons I was so interested with when you sat down with Joe. So again, I, I, went, I took a hard right that most people don't take early in my life but again growing up in santa cruz we can go ahead and we'll call it plant-based medicines um <laughs>
0: but maybe it, not done medicinally yeah in those was, places. i
1: don't know if i had glaucoma or a headache at the time but it's uh you know whatever people will go and say to get their card but um I maybe mean, it was different i mean I, I was young growing up in an environment where that was kind of the norm and you know and then i went into an environment where it was like hard and fast like go ahead and mess with this if you want to you're out of here so it was and then, of course, the medicine that you get there is, hey, I have a headache. Well, here's literally 50, 800-milligram Motrin's. Make sure you eat something with this because otherwise you'll shit blood. Yeah. Like, uh, awesome. That might I rip like you that. up
0: inside, but your pain will go away.
1: It will, and, and I mean, I still, to this day, will go through my bags of the gear that I had when I was in and find bags of 800-milligram Motrin's. It's just like a PEZ dispenser, just wham, 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 wham. But that's military medicine. And, you know, maybe that needs to, the medicine with that needs to be used with air quotes. Uh, And one thing I learned by being injured on the job is that there's a reason why they call medicine a practice, not a science. The more I'm out and the more it fascinates me to hear people to go on that journey, the more I would be more interested going down that route than the traditional prescription route. It just seems, I mean, I'm not a rocket surgeon, you know, but I'm sitting back. I'm like, wow, what's this problem over here? What's it caused by? What are these people getting prescribed these things for? Okay you know and i'm sure people can go too far you know 100 on the other side yeah. of the house too but it's like which one of the end state is worse for you i'm just too much of a pussy to put my feet in the pool <laughs> <laughs> well there are ways to dip your feet in the yeah. shallow end for sure <laughs> i worry that i'd be like oh this is awesome woo! and Ugh. you'd be like next I time heard, i see you i haven't p- heard andy for my, like five years and then they'd be a documentary on a dude in the like i'm in the desert and all i do is wear clothing made out of feathers since like the beard
0: down to your ankles
1: yeah maybe shouldn't have hooked that guy up (laughs) (laughs) you took it too far buddy yeah Uh, uh, yeah
0: yeah there are extreme levels to anything and and uh certainly when you deal with something um like ayahuasca or psilocybin like there has to be a fucking respect level there even cannabis you know like i've i misused cannabis when i was around the same age you know who did i mean you misuse everything when you're between the ages of 15 to
1: probably your early 20s because you're you're so far stuck into seventh gear and you, you're an idiot especially if you're a man you have more testosterone than any body should ever be able to contain and you, you know i look back now i'm like wow i was probably not a good human during those time periods
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but fucking around and exploring you know if you, i look at old people that i recommend cannabis to and they're like oh i can't you know i had this cookie and uh i was in outer space for for 12 hours and i, I hated the feeling and it's like well yeah but i mean if somebody introduced you to alcohol you yeah. wouldn't start with a bottle of jack you know, yeah, or you if you would took, start with way fucking less. Or if you took res- a
1: pill, or, you know, a prescription, anything and ate the entire bottle, yeah. that's going to happen. But I know a lot of people who are like that too. And, you know, my, my mom passed away from non smokers' lung cancer, which the survivability rate is like 0%. The treatment for the cancer would have killed her, I think, uh, regardless of the cancer. It was really, it was like, do you want to die from um, trying to kill the cancer or do you want to go out peacefully? So she ended in, into hospice. And, the, really the only relief that she got was through the, the brownies my dad was making for her. I've seen it firsthand, the effect it can have. The highest level of medical care that the physicians in, you know modern day medicine could provide was doing nothing for her. So most people would say, oh, you went the old school route or whatever you want to call it. She found so much peace through that. She recovered her appetite. I've seen it firsthand. And once you've seen that or experienced it in and of yourself, it's tough to make that argument against it. Yeah. But responsibility. We had a party, a New Year's Eve party many, many years ago. My dad uh, made some brownies. He made them extremely potent and I found my uncle paralyzed in a chair. You know, he could. <laughs> but was, he, didn't he didn't die. No, he didn't die. He didn't I was, die. I was still that
0: thing going for it I too. was in
1: the military. So I was, I mean, I think I was hammered at the time, but I wasn't messing around with any of that. And then the stories from the next day, you know, my I think it was my. Great uncle was like, yeah, I was driving home. Thought I was speeding on the freeway. I was doing 15, you know, <laughs> which is not responsible either. Don't get behind the wheel if you're uh-huh. in that state. But it was just, yeah, none of them died. They all had a pretty interesting story. My, my uncle was literally paralyzed. He's like, I can't move. <laughs> well, you're moving your mouth. I can't move my body. <laughs> Use with caution. Probably yeah. a good philosophy for life in general. Use with caution
0: yeah and know why you know i the times where when i was in my youth and had done mushrooms in a non-ceremonial setting yeah that was 50 50 if it was a good experience or a bad like like and that was largely in part by not setting an intention not having a reason right like i'm gonna do this to have a good time and and it yeah, that's all I'm looking for. You were looking for right? the party instead of the introspection. Yeah, yeah. And then later on, you fast forward my work with Native Americans and things like that, where you learn how to use these things with respect and you understand what's at stake. Like, hey, when this curtain gets yanked back, you might see sh- some shit you don't want to. Yeah, but that's okay. That'll help you if your if your mind is set to understand. Like, I'm going to see this because I need to see it. I'm going to well, see it's this because your mind is also. Right?
1: The origin of those things that you're seeing that you don't want to see right and and that's what from my understanding is that correct i mean
0: yeah whatever you, you see whatever you hide from yourself yeah. that's going to be revealed right so if you've been stuffing feelings and fucking blocking out childhood trauma and not yeah. dealing with shit that's there and that's revealed to you it's not by fucking mistake it's on purpose yeah right and you know people say shit like uh well i don't want to see weird stuff because they've seen fear and loathing in las vegas and there's bats everywhere and it's like look man that guy was taking everything under the sun. Yeah, but do a
1: little bit of research on Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> everything under the sun.
0: But if you, if you see some, if I see fucking Puff the Magic Dragon fly by yeah. in a vision, he's likely going to tell me something I need to know about myself. It's going to be personal, it's not going to be some random stuff that makes no sense to me.
1: That the introspective aspect of it is what I find fascinating. And like I said, I just, it's, I look back, I'm like, well, I kind of know myself as a person. This could be a very dangerous needle to thread. so yeah it's uh yeah i have no problem i mean i i think if you can find out more about yourself again i'm my answer to most people's questions when they're having problems i'm like just go into the bathroom and turn the lights on and look in the fucking mirror don't look out here for the reasons why things are happening go address yourself first uh To use an example of an environment I can't stand right now, the political environment, where it doesn't matter what you say or what you do, it's thrown up and it's just crushed. And everybody is, every word that's said on both sides of the aisle is analyzed. And people just want to jump on board and laser like focus what other people are saying. How well would your own life be if somebody took that spotlight and swung it on you? Like, if you're not prepared to have that happen to yourself, if somebody did that to my life, oh boy, and wrote up a list of the dumb things that I've said or the mean things that I've said or the inappropriate things that I've said or the times that I was an asshole, it would be gnarly. And so I'm hesitant to, try to do that to other people because mm-hmm. I try to think of it from the perspective of they put their pants on probably the same way that I do unless they got some crazy pants, I mean. <laughs> pants on two legs at a time. Yeah, I don't know. Do they jump up and go for it and then fall on their face at the time? But we're all human at the end of the day and I just try to judge people on the same standard that I'm attempting to every day judge myself. And that's a tough one because you have to spend the time introspectively looking, and that's tough when you have constant reinforcement of external an inch away from your face with your phone. You can just search and search and search and get lost in other people. I'd rather get lost in myself.
0: Yeah, and that's fucking beautifully stated. I think we just need to spend more time working on ourselves and more time in silence or alone or doing yeah. shit. And that doesn't mean, you know, sitting quietly in a dark room meditating. It could be on the fucking side of a mountain yeah. hunting. It could, it could be, be in a room though. It yeah, could be in a room did, too. Yeah. And I got no problem with that. Yeah. I do it daily. I'm just saying for a lot of people that struggle with that idea, there are different avenues, you know, but, but still all being in the same boat of unplug your fucking phone yeah. and spend some time alone and really, you know, you can contemplate what's going on or you can just fucking go quiet mind. But uh, both of yeah. those have deep value.
1: Ask yourself how uncomfortable you would be if you lost your phone for 48 hours. And if people thinking of that start getting anxious, that's a bad sign. You know, there's some to me it's like okay, maybe I need to go explore that because if I'm that anxious about that happening, maybe I need to figure out why that that is. Like don't be that tied to it. I wouldn't enjoy it, but at the same time, go hunting, airplane mode, see ya, I'll check in later in the day and it feels great and None of the experiences are coming through a screen. They're all coming through my, through my eyes, you know, out in the world around me. Hell yeah, bro! That's what I think, at least. Yeah, that's, that's, good, that's good thoughts. 60-30 chance I'm wrong, so. <laughs> and I leave that other 10% for the variables, who knows? For the variables. other. Than... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the military. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's, let's, what let's, do you want to know? Let's, let's jump in here. <laughs> yeah. You, you were, uh, I, I kind of like this story where you're talking about accountability, and and I know we were talking about that earlier, but I I wanted to dive into kids and make sure we got to that accountability. What happened to you when you, was it when you were going through BUDS, when the the fight happened? Oh, you're talking about the little bar incident in Tucson.
1: (laughs) So I had made it through the SEAL selection program, and it's a very important milestone in your career. You know, you graduate BUDS, people think if you make it through BUDS, you are a SEAL, and you're absolutely not. For people who don't know what bud stands for it stands for basic underwater demolition with a slash little s so little seal big basic you're going towards being a seal but you're big into the basic pool you don't know anything we you know enough to be very dangerous to yourself and those around you it's a selection process it took another year and a half after that until i earned the my trident which is the metal pin that they pin on your chest they do a ceremony You get a certificate and then they go into the military and they actually change your designator and that, then you start becoming recognized as being a SEAL. So that's a monumental uh, career milestone uh, if you're going to go down the SEAL pipeline. So about six weeks after that monumental (laughs) experience occurred, so I'm obviously just king dick, right? Biggest, baddest dude. I think I weighed 180 pounds at the time, maybe 170. Uh, Biggest, baddest dude. I could do no wrong. I've achieved... The peak of my life. I'm out of the valley. I'm onto the peak. I do my first trip with my first platoon. And a platoon is just an operational element of somewhere between you know, 12, 14, 18, 20 guys now at a SEAL team. They're the guys that you work with for a year and a half, then you deploy for six months. Great relationships. And inside of that, it's it's huge into the mentoring side of the house because we've got to pull people along because, like I said, you're dangerous. You don't know shit. You know just enough to probably kill everybody and be the only one survived and go like, what happened? where did everybody go? <laughs> you just don't know enough. So we shepherd you along, but the guys in that platoon, I mean, you want to talk about worship or idolize, or I mean, I would walk on fire if they asked me to, because I just wanted, I was where I wanted to be, and then my next goal was just, I wanted to be one of the guys. So we go on a deployment, or not a deployment, a trip to Tucson, Arizona. I'm 20 at the time. We were doing, uh, we were having uh, bar It's called CAS, close air support, where you come in. It's actually where the term cleared hot comes from. The last radio call that you make as the guy on the ground for the pilot to release ordinance is you say, hey, you're cleared hot. You own everything that comes off the aircraft. It's not the pilot's fault. It's your fault, which is why I actually love that term because it's all about accountability. So we were there in one of the days, I think it was one of the last days, the weather came in or whatever it was, a mechanical reason with the aircraft. We got uh, notified at like 10 a.m. that we weren't going to be training that day. So obviously we went to a bar because it was 10 a.m. We went to uh, an establishment that was designed for gentlemen. Uh, I was 20. I like those establishments. I've worked (laughs) in a few of them. Yeah. (laughs) So it was a gentleman's club, if you will. And uh, I was 20, drinking on a guy's ID in the platoon. Probably by noon, we were well beyond the legal driving limit. And by 4 p.m., I mean, we were probably time traveling at that point anyway. We ended up at an Irish bar downtown, uh, mind you, I had probably been in a couple of fist fights in high school. I'm surrounded by dudes who I think are the biggest, baddest dudes on the face of the planet. And an altercation, verbal altercation starts. One of my buddies gets drugged outside by the bouncers, and the guy's laying on top of him. And he ends up in the back of the cop car. Cops show up. We explain to the cops, hey, this is what's going on. In my infinite wisdom, I forgot that I gave him my full name, where we were staying. <laughs> uh, and so did a bunch of other people. They let the guy out of the car. And his, uh, state of mind he thought the best idea would go maybe just have another conversation with the bouncers that would be smart right because there's probably some more things to discuss smooth
0: things over yes
1: i'm sure i'm sure the bouncer was like great here we go uh so he comes over and was you know arguing with the bouncers the rest of the guys we were all leaving we were trying to get back into a government van and i kind of hung back with another buddy of mine i was just watching i was across the street and he mouths off he turns around and he starts walking back well one of the other bouncers uh I think he had a leg injury whatever it was he had a crutch and he just kind of picked the crutch up and he picked it up like he was getting ready to basically brain the guy with the crutch so i started walking towards him i had a spider coat in my pocket because that's smart to take a knife to a bar when you're drinking and didn't know how to fight scared out of my mind so i'd kind of take a step to the side and i pulled the spider cut out, and i just flipped it up and i put it up against the side of my leg i'm like listen man you don't want to do that he stopped and he took a step back he's like whoa folded it up put it away started walking and the guy starts yelling for the cops he's got a knife he just pulled a knife So I hand the knife off to my buddy, the lights go on, and I have a choice, right? You always have time. (laughs) So you have a choice. My choice. Intelligent
0: thinking while you're hammered.
1: Yeah, so I thought my choices in this moment were run or run faster. So I took run faster and I bolt, which guess what? The cops apparently don't like that. I guess when the lights come on, you're supposed to stop. So I take off running, go down an alley, and I just so vividly remember... Just doing my Usain Bolt down an alley. And I hear the tires of the cop car on the rocks right behind me. I grab this chain link fence. My feet go completely horizontal and it's razor wire on the top. And I just go right over the top. That right there is still from that night. Hand straight into the razor wire. Clear it. Climb a tree onto a roof. The best escape and evasion route ever. I'm just making it up on the fly. I get to the end of the building and there's like this tree overhanging the building. Like, well, I'll just hang off the side of the building and they won't see my hands. Cover and concealment, right? They can't see me. So I start hanging there. 30 seconds in, I'm like, damn, this sucks. A minute in, I'm like, I don't know how long I can hang on to this thing. So eventually, eventually just let go. Can't see the ground beneath me. Free fall, fall on my back on the concrete directly in front of my entire platoon. It's still walking. So they pick me up. I switch shirts with a guy. We go across the street and we drink for two more hours. As the cop cars are doing like, it's like helicopters over. We drink. They get into another fight later that night. Guy pulls a gun on us. Get back to the, uh, one of my buddies got his ass kicked. People think that SEALs can fight. Some of them can, some of them can't. When you're really drunk, I don't think anybody can fight. So his nose got a little bit adjusted. We get back in the car, we go back to the Air Force Base that we're staying at, and the gate guard's just like, hey, is there, is there an Andy Stump in your car? I'm like, fuck. So yeah, I uh, tried on some, uh, some bracelets and uh, got read some rights. <laughs> got charged with a few things. They let me go. And when we got back to the command... Everybody's lined up, and it's all about what happened and why. And I had to sit there and try to explain why I took the actions that I did. And I went down the road of, well, I I was trying to do this because he did that, and I thought I had to do this. And they crushed me. And the commanding officer took a pair of scissors across the desk and he slid it to me. I was wearing a Trident uniform, a patch. It was a patch Trident on my pair of camouflage uniforms. He's like, "All right, cut it off." It's like, "Fuck, what?" Cut it off. I think I'd had it for six weeks. Cut it off. He wouldn't let me wear it for six months. He didn't take it from me, which would be an additional step, and I would have been kicked out of the SEAL teams. But you want to talk about a regrounding and a recalibration of accountability and that regardless of what happens around you, you're responsible for your actions. And I look back, like we were talking about before we went live, about mistakes, right? And having a mistake be a marquee moment in your life, I think about that moment all the time, and it changed the person that I am. May not be sitting in front of you today if it wasn't for that moment, but it was never since then have I ever tried to say, I did this because of. It's, I did this and these are the reasons why. And if you have a problem with that, come get some. (laughs) Because it's on me. And it goes no farther than that. And that's what I try to embody my kids.
0: Fuck yeah, brother. Yeah,
1: I try. Those little fuckers got excuses. Everyone's got excuses. (laughs) Fuck man, that's beautiful, brother. They're young. That's beautiful. Yeah, but it, it had to have happened. I would have walked through fire to try to help that guy and i still will walk through fire but i'll think it through a little bit more and i'll consider the consequences of my feet being burned and maybe try to like i don't know walk around the coals maybe that's an option yeah is there, <laughs> is there an easier path yeah
0: hell yeah brother yeah well fuck man we, we fucking flew right through that hour there you go what do you got we got where, where can people find you you got uh you got some badass videos on instagram don't watch them
1: i just cgi most of that stuff
0: uh yeah i mean i'm on all
1: the so contractually obligated to be on all the social channels <laughs> it's all a version of my name it's andy stump some asshole on instagram has andy stump so i had to put two one two on there which people ask me all the time it's my buds class number i'm the only seal ever to put their buds class number on either an email address or pretty proud oh wait yeah every seal i know has some version of that <laughs> yeah but like i literally was like oh i guess i'll just be andy stump it's like name taken i'm like who is this guy yeah. i want that <laughs> yeah so it's just yeah just do a search on the internet and just don't listen to half the stuff that comes back up
0: we'll, we'll link to all that <laughs> yeah. all that good stuff in the show notes and then yeah. of course please check out cleared hot it is a fucking awesome podcast it's been I fun love, i love the q and a's you're doing as well
1: i like them too it's you know when people reach out what i like the most about it is is i have to sit and think and be able to articulate what it is that i feel not just be passionate about something but why and can i can I figure out how I got to that point, based off of the things that I've seen or the things that I were taught, and then can I try to explain that in a manner that maybe somebody else could take something from it? With I love the Q and A, but I also again, I am mean, sitting down with people that I would have never met with totally diverse backgrounds, talking about awesome stuff.
0: Hell yeah, brother! Hell yeah, man! Thanks for joining the On It podcast, man. For it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for listening to the On It podcast. I know you fucking enjoyed, my man Andy Stump. Go ahead and check him out on his Twitter, Instagram, and all that fun shit we got linked to in the show notes. Please leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast because it really helps people come to our show and make sure you check out Any Stump's podcast, Cleared Hot. And when you enjoy it as much as I do, go ahead and leave him a five-star review because it is fucking fantastic. Thanks for listening, guys. All right, guys, you've got questions, I've got answers. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be on on Onnit's main page on Facebook doing a Facebook Live Q&A. The Facebook Live Q&A runs for 30 minutes. If you can't make it at 6 p.m. Central Time, all you have to do is write in your questions, and I'll be sure to get those answered for you, either by writing it or talking about it on the Facebook Live, which you can check out at any point in time after the show airs. But be sure to tune in live if you can. We're going to get a lot of information rounded out, talking about the podcast, talking about different health topics, and I think you'll enjoy it.